Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com before history is written it's played before it's frozen in time it's fought one shift at a time before it's etched in silver it's carved in ice what happens next will last forever the Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, welcome to the first edition of the Curtain Call podcast. New name, we have no more enemies to get to know, but uh, as always, Wednesday nights, Jeffrey Benedict, Michael Beck. Jeffrey, how are you doing tonight, sir? I'm doing good. I'm doing good again. <laughs> so, so you've already gotten the the, the sting of that uh, wild card playoff loss out of your mouth. I, I, I assume. Uh, I, I mostly I just don't think about it. <laughs> you but know what? I broke down the film and I move it on to other film. I'm like, I'm gonna watch other film. I'm not gonna watch that again for a while, and I'm okay. <laughs> for me, I think it was watching Baltimore and Cleveland lose. Now I'm like, okay, I, I can get back into the playoffs a little bit here. That uh, that, that took that took a, a little bit of that uh, edge off. Yeah. Dude, if Baltimore uh, was playing Cleveland to go to the Super Bowl, I'd just be like tearing my hair out. I, I don't prob- have a lot, but I'd tear what I have out. <laughs> I probably wouldn't watch that, to be honest. It'd hurt too bad. <laughs> just be like, why? This is it wouldn't even be good football to watch either. You'd be like, oh, we watch this twice a year. No one likes this game. You know what? Like they did have the game of the year on that one Thursday night, though, where they went back and forth. That was an, an outstanding game to watch. As yeah, much a as game it pains me to say. Game without defense, I don't care. Exactly. <laughs> well, the the news of the day today, uh, of course, is Philip Rivers uh, announcing his retirement. Uh, some pretty big news because now there's only three guys remaining from that 2004 draft class. Of course, uh, Andy Lee, the punter, I believe he's still punting for the 49ers, and uh, Larry Fitzgerald still there in Arizona. His his future's up in the air. That last guy out of those three, Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, and it's going to lead us into the topic of the show. Ben Roethlisberger, he is that last quarterback from that 4 draft class. And tonight, we really wanted to talk about who we think at this point, who's in and who's out. And Ben Roethlisberger, obviously massive cap hit, aging, 
who knows if he wants to play in whoever this next offensive coordinator system is, because as of right now, we still don't know who it is, even though we thought it was Fat Canada. There's a whole lot going on here, Jeffrey. So just trying to get to what I'm trying to get to. Ben Roethlisberger, is he coming back next year, yes or no? Yes. Absolutely. You think he's uh, he's going to be the guy? He's not going down like that. He's not. Like, it's Ben Roethlisberger. I, can you imagine him, his last game, is losing to Cleveland in the playoffs? Like, he's, he's absolutely owned them. He held – like, wasn't it this year he lost – Baker Mayfield passed him for most wins in their stadium. Yes. That was this season. Like he has he has owned the Browns. He can't go out with a loss to the Browns. You you can't do that. Like he's gonna what you're gonna do, you're gonna go back home and they're gonna be like, Yeah, we said we we ended your career. Like he's from Ohio. Like, there's no way he's doing that. He's he's gotta come back. He's gotta he's gotta end his career with at least a win over Cleveland. So for me, he's coming back. You know what, though? Like 501 yards, four touchdowns, four picks. That is a Ben Roethlisberger experience right there. <laughs> if it wasn't the Browns. Yeah. That's the that is the quintessential Ben Roethlisberger experience. You're like, oh, he sucks. No, he's great. Oh, he sucks again. No, he's great. <laughs> he's the best quarterback in the world. Oh, he sucks. <laughs> oh, if we had five minutes left, we would have won. Yeah, really. <laughs> but oh. in the flip side... Say Matt Canada does get the job, and he's like, "No, we are running my system. I don't care what you say." Is he still? Is he going to do that? Is he going to be a, a system quarterback that he doesn't want to be in? There is stuff in Matt Canada's system he can run. Uh, I'll go back to my film room I said about Cleveland. My film room I had about Cleveland's offense. There is motion Ben does run. He's got to get better at it. Uh, and one of the, one of the points I'm making about Ben is he has to buy in, but they also need time. Uh, COVID restrictions for this season, where where we are when the draft is happening and all that is going to be a big deal because if we can do OTAs, if they can meet in person, if he's able to get with Matt Canada, get with his receivers, really work on what the motion is doing, how it's affecting the play, that stuff, and really buy in and get accustomed to that system. Because remember, he couldn't throw for a long time last season. And then like for some of the off season and then like he's on a limited pitch count, you know, he's trying to build, he's trying to build charisma with, you know, uh, a relationship with his receivers. There's so much change over. They don't know what's going on. And if you remember in the off season, they were talking about Matt Canada's working with the run game. He even Ben said that, Oh, he's working a lot with the run game. Well, yeah, well we need him to work with the pass game now. Cause when it was worked with the run game, the run game worked even with, you know, a makeshift offensive line, sometimes patched up and injured people through five games. We're a top 10 running game in the NFL with Canada's motion, but it didn't work in the passing game. So this year, if Matt Canada is the dude, they got to get it working in the passing game, use what they can get Ben accustomed to everything he can and make it work because it worked in Cleveland for Baker Mayfield. I still think Ben at this point in his career is better than Baker Mayfield is at this point in his career. That may change in a year. But at this point, yeah, I'm taking Ben. He could run that. He can He can run that. Now, one of the things uh, BTSC uh, group chat was chatting about just, just before we went on the air was uh, like Aaron Rodgers and completely buying into Matt LaFleur's, LaFleur's system. And one of the things that happened to him this offseason, of course, their first round pick, they, they pick up Jordan Love. They take another quarterback and in all likelihood, it probably lit a fire under Aaron Rodgers. There's been recent mock drafts. Uh, going as far as saying the Steelers might even trade into the top 10 of the draft once again, like they did uh, when they went after Bush. Actually, I like Lance 
someone like myself, a early big NDSU guy, I, I would love the move. But do you think Ben Roethlisberger would even want to mentor a guy like that for a year? Would he would he be like more motivated to even play? Like we saw it with Mason Rudolph. He's like, nah, I, I don't want anything to do with this guy. Would, would Ben Roethlisberger be willing to kind of put someone under his wing, or the, the Steelers basically pushing a corner, saying you're not you're not going finding this guy's replacement this year? He. Ben Roethlisberger would be Ben Roethlisberger. He would prepare to be the starting quarterback. And if he had time, be like, yo, hey, kid, you know, this is how you throw a corner route. I don't like, I don't really know how much a veteran quarterback, like if you have questions in the film room, you can ask them. Uh, I think Josh Dobbs talked about that at one point. Like, what do you, how do you learn from a veteran quarterback is when you're in a film room with them, you sit there and take notes. You sit there and look and you see, what is he seeing? What are they talking about? How are they doing this? And do I see what they're seeing? You know, that's that's really the big thing. You, what's Ben going to teach him? Like, Ben's not going to teach him how to throw a defensive lineman to the ground and, and throw a back corner, you know, shot to the, to, to the end zone to win the Super Bowl. You, you can't just teach that. Uh, so, for me, I think that's all overblown. Ben would be Ben. Uh, and hopefully, if the Steelers did draft a new quarterback, they would sign another quarterbacks coach, especially if Matt Canada ends up the offense coordinator or leaves. Get a quarterback coach. Don't don't be cheap on that. Yeah, that's one of the things this offseason that uh, the, the Steelers need to employ more coaches. They obviously have a lot of openings, but uh, they they had they had 19 coaches, which was the, the least in the league, the least full time guys, but. With Ben Roethlisberger, let's just say he he enters or he plays this year and he plays like how Eli Manning did in his final year and just kind of gives up the reins. Is that something like if Ben plays poorly, are the Steelers just gonna just gonna ride that into the dirt and or are they going to move on to Mason Rudolph or potentially a rookie? If Ben is truly back, is is this his team no matter what? I think for the most part, yeah, yeah, like, and that that's not Tomlin. That's not the offensive coordinator. That's that's the owner. That's the ownership. The Roonies have been ride or die with Ben Roethlisberger from the start. From 2004 when they drafted him, when the story goes that Dan Rooney was like, no, we're drafting the quarterback. Like, stop talking about it. Whether Whatever decision they were going to make, the rumor is he went in there and was like, we're getting the quarterback. The quarterback's there. Get the quarterback. What are you doing, guys? Like, And ever since then, it has been. Ben is the franchise. The franchise quarterback is the franchise. So I, I think they're ride or die with Ben, but they're, it's not like if he's playing his way out of the league where he is just that bad and it's clear that he can't play, they would move on. Ben would be like, you know what, I can't do it. I think I think Ben would actually pull himself and be like, I can't do this anymore. I'm done if he really was. Uh, but I think he'll be all right. They just need They just need a system that works with him and they need to get him, get him you know, doing that system. I, I actually believe it was, uh, speaking of that draft, I believe it was Dave Damashek who said uh, Bill Cowher actually preferred Philip Rivers out of all the quarterbacks in that draft, which who, who knows about history? Long time story I've been saying, like, that's true. If you, I remember back in 2004, like, he wanted Philip Rivers, and people would talk about, oh, is, is his throwing motion, and Bill Cowher would be like, he's just a winner. He going out there and won. You know, it doesn't matter, his throwing, all this stuff, and he talked. Philip Rivers into being the number two quarterback in that draft. Bill Cowher did that. That's my opinion. But Philip Rivers was the number three quarterback in that draft, or they were like, oh, who's number two? But it wasn't close. It wasn't like 
Eli Manning, Philip Rivers, who's better? It was Eli's number one, but who's number two? And Philip Rivers ends up number two and playing for the team with the number one pick after Bill Cowher talked him up constantly. Of course, he had that great senior bowl too, but then the Steelers end up with Ben Roethlisberger and we're the only team he visited. There's all this stuff. At the time, I was like, is this, like, did, did the Steelers pull a fast one? Did they really pull a fast one? Did they get the rest of the league looking at Rivers and then swipe Ben at 11? But uh, I don't know. I, it's quite possible that Bill Cowher really was that much on Phillip Rivers. Bill Cowher's not the sneakiest guy. I think that's right. He wanted Phillip. Yeah, I, from all accounts, too, from the Giants uh, staff, if if uh, Eli actually wanted to play in San Diego, Ben would have ended up with the Giants. He would have been the number two pick, and Phillip Rivers probably ends up being the Steelers pick. So yeah. it's funny how history works out, but, of course, those those three QBs at the top of the draft, they had great careers. Ben just yeah. happens to be the last one standing. He's going to he's gonna end up with all the stats, be the leading stats guy. He has the two rings. Could he win a third? I, I mean, the, the Steelers would need some rookies to be really good next year for that to happen. So moving on from the Ben stuff, because of course there's a ton of guys that uh, could be moving on. Like this offseason is going to be insane. I think the reports that uh, pro football talk, so take it as you will, Mike Florio saying uh, the cap might be 180 million, which is still like a significant drop off from this past year. That would seriously hurt the Steelers and seriously hurt some free agents. Almost almost basically mean they can sign guys that for vet minimum. And that might be what happens this offseason. That's one of the reasons why it's so scary. But one of the guys that uh, has his uh, has his ticket uh, expiring in just a, just a couple months is Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, very polarizing this year, of course. What should the Steelers do with, uh, with the guy that's currently their number one wide receiver? I think you have to let him go simply because you have Chase Claypool, you have Deontay Johnson, uh, you have James Washington who has shown he can step in when Juju's out and play well. So your your drop-off statistically, your drop-off in the talent and the play is not small. Your drop-off in the production at the position that they were playing Juju Smith-Schuster isn't that big. It's not going to be huge. I am a Juju Smith-Schuster fan. I think a lot of the, the flack he gets is just dumb. Uh, he He plays hard. Just, I, I mean, I just did a film review of the first week watching Juju Smith-Schuster in that first week against the New York Giants. He was phenomenal. You watch him last year before he got hurt. He was phenomenal. He's going to go somewhere and be a really, really good number two. You know, he's one of those guys, he's not the number one, but he could be the best number two, like one of the best number twos in the league. He's that kind of player. Uh, so Juju, I don't think you can bring him back because you can't, he's not worth to the Steelers, what he will be worth to another team. So other teams are going to pay him what he'd be worth to them. And we would have to outbid that. We would have to pay Juju Smith-Schuster more than he would be worth to another team. And he's not going to be worth that to us. Yeah. And I think one of the teams that are kind of uh, the betting favor right now would be Washington, uh, him being the number two to Terry McLaurin. I think that would be an outstanding duo and potentially the way it goes, the Steelers just don't have the money. I, I, I think you're right. I don't think they're going to be able to match whatever he's offered. So he's yeah. going to have to take a discount. Would he want to do that? Probably not. He's a West Coast guy too. If he gets an offer from home, I I mean, he, him going to LA, of course, he's the big tech guy. So like that might just be a, an outstanding career move for him. So and I would totally understand that. My two, my two big teams for Juju Smith-Schuster are Baltimore. They need a receiver. He would fit there. It's a bunch of, it's a, it's 
in that East Coast. Uh, and the other one is Arizona. I would love to see him go to Arizona. People talk about Juju having distractions where he focuses on his brand. He could go and play with DeAndre Hopkins, who is the CEO of a real estate company that he started. Like the guy runs businesses and plays football. That would be a great mashup with Juju Smith-Schuster because that's the dude who's like, dude, you want to build your brand? Let me give you some good business advice. Let me like let me like really get to you. And I think it would be good for Juju Smith-Schuster. And it would be phenomenal for Kyler Murray to have those two guys on the same team. That that would be a great fit for Juju. Now you speak of the Cardinals and something that I've talked about a lot. The Steelers, I think it'd be a mistake. I know the Steelers are really good at drafting receivers, but they don't have any veteran voices in the locker room outside of Ben Roethlisberger, who by all accounts really isn't the most sociable type. So in my opinion, I think they should be going after a veteran guy, whether or not they even play like they could be like a bench guy just to like go through the motions and teach them. I know I mentioned Larry Fitzgerald. Like, I know that's not the most feasible thing in the world. Uh, A friend of mine uh, messaged me and said, what do you think about Julian Edelman? I I don't think that's the personality, but, but I, I just think the Steelers should be going after someone a little bit older. Do you buy in on that? I absolutely do. One of the things I've always said about Mike Tomlin is they have a veteran in the room. I loved the combination of Darius Hayward Bay and Antonio Brown in that locker room where you had Antonio Brown. He was a sixth round pick. He was a superstar because he worked his butt off. And then you had Darius Hayward Bay, who was a first round pick, who was a flop, who was still in the league. Why? Because he worked his butt off. Like, and so that was a great, that was a great duo to show these young guys. Be like, you can be a nobody and you could coming in and be a, and and make it in this league. It doesn't matter. Or you can not have the talent to be a great a, a starting wide receiver and still make it in this league. The key element is you got to work hard. You know, they had that kind of combination. We don't have that now. We had Juju Smith-Schuster whose idea of like his like, hey, guys, we need to have more fun. We need to have more fun out here. And that's when Juju's at his best is when he's having fun. But that's not like that's not the veteran leadership you want in a room is, hey, guys, let's try to have more fun and lighten up. Like, it just doesn't. That message isn't really what you want. I'd love Larry Fitzgerald. Obviously, my I had I had season tickets his last year at Pitt. I watched a lot of him play. He, he I love Larry Fitzgerald. That would be a dream come true for him to come home. I don't even care. Come back to Pittsburgh. Do whatever you want. Wouldn't matter. But he, uh, yeah, that'd be good. I think if he mentored Chase Claypool, that'd be perfect. They're like similar build, similar speed. Like like they're they're very similar players. So like. If you could teach Chase Claypool to be Larry Fitzgerald, you'd have a really, really good receiver. And me being someone that says you should probably never re-sign your skill guys, you have to re-sign a guy like Larry Fitzgerald until he's done playing football. That's that's just the way it goes. Yeah, something uh, like that level. Moving on uh, throughout this offense here, James Conner, the Steelers running back spot. It's it's already being hyper-criticized. We don't know exactly where they're going to go this offseason at this spot. I think a lot of it's going to be telling on who they bring in uh, heading into the draft. Uh, I think after the second day of the draft, you know exactly what the Steelers running back room is going to look like. Uh, Jerry Dulac uh, of the uh, Post-Gazette was talking today in his uh, mailbag that he thinks the Steelers will definitely go running back within the first two rounds. And he said if Najee Harris is there at 24, that's the pick, which is pretty insane to me as someone who's been avoid running back by all costs. But James Conner, uh, he even said James Conner could be the guy that remains in Pittsburgh as the number two, or they go out and find a veteran guy like D'Angelo Williams, end of the, their career guy. Well, what do you think the Steelers should do in this case? Uh, James Conner, is, is he the fit at number two, or should they uh, go looking for someone else? 
Okay, I will say this. If you get a Najee Harris with the number one pick, James Conner, you would want to keep him. And the reason is, look, like, uh, to me, James Conner is a Kareem Hunt. He's a guy that in the right offense that's creating space for him, like that Kansas City offense, which was ridiculous. No one's stuffing the run against Kansas City. Kareem Hunt went off against Cle- on Cleveland. He's a really good backup. When he starts, he's okay. You know, he's James Conner. Kareem Hunt is James Conner. And James Conner, to me, is the like ideal uh, number two in that situation where he can be your third down guy. He can come in when you need to throw the ball a lot. Great in pass pickup. Good running back phenomenal uh receiver out of the backfield he he's that guy and that really takes a lot of pressure off a number one back that you take to just be like dude when you come in you gotta worry about running and some basic pass blocking like you don't have to run the whole offense you just have to be dynamic right do what you do and james connor can pick up the rest james connor can do anything in this offense and he could especially when you're talking matt canada you know, if he's bringing if he's bringing back more of his stuff, bringing more of his stuff into the offense, James Conner's run it all. James Conner's run all of Matt Canada's weird stuff, sweeps, and he he did all of that at Pitt. Uh, so he is to me a great running back to bring back uh, if you can. But that's all on cost. I don't know what he's gonna get on the free agency market. Like, like what would Kareem Hunt be worth on the free agent market right now? Like, I don't. I don't even know their value. I look at running backs today and I'm like, I don't, I don't know what anyone's paying these guys. I don't, I don't really know. And if James Conner is cheap enough, yeah, bring him back. Absolutely. If he's not, you gotta let him go. Yeah. I think one of the things with James Conner too, is that he's a, a Pittsburgh guy. So I, I think he might be more willing to take a discount, but like you said, who's paying running backs anymore? Like every single year, it continues the trend. If you, like, if you sign a big contract, you're probably going to stink the next year and your career is probably over. Like, I don't understand why teams continue to sign running backs to huge deals. Like, even Derrick Henry just had 2,000 yards better each year in the league. But do you offer him a contract? Like, is he the outlier? That's what people have been saying about everyone. Like, at some point, you just kind of got to be like, it's the valueless position. Sorry, guys. Like, you should have been a receiver. Like, yeah. That's really what it comes down to. So maybe Connor can take a little bit less money. Yeah, I want to spend a lot of time on the offense line and a little bit on the tight end. So I do want to leave on one more question before we get there. If When it comes to draft day, it, it, at this point right now, this, it, say the Steelers have three options. One, trading up to get a quarterback, say trading all the way up in, in the top 10. Uh, two, staying where they are, uh, taking a running back at that spot like Najee Harris, like Jerry Dulac suggests. Or three, taking a tackle at that spot. What are you doing right now? I take the tackle. That would be my number one. Number two would be trade up for the quarterback, and number three would be running back. Um, and but that's if if you have the the coach, if you get like if you get the right offensive line coach, if you get the right offense, and you're saying what we really need is a running back with great vision who can do all this stuff. Maybe that's the last piece. Maybe that's the piece that if you get this offensive, you get a good offensive line coach, you get Matt Canada system, Ben is buying into it. And you say, if we had a Nick Chubb, you know, we could have this offense be like Cleveland's offense, be a legit top 10 offense and add that defense to it. That's the only way you go running back to me is if you really think that that's, that's the missing piece is that running back 
that's the only way that's the only way you go running back uh, yeah I, I think that's the only time you draft a running back with your first two picks is when you feel like you are one guy away on offense and I really don't know if the Steelers are at that point right now I think if they go running back in the first round they have to nail the next two picks on the offense line period like like there's no mess around elsewhere or like you have to nail it yeah, if they, if they draft a running back, they are all in on the end of Ben's career. That's all they're signaling. They're signaling straight up, this is all about Ben. This is all about getting Ben a Super Bowl when before he's done. And and that could mean like, like really, if they draft a running back with the first round, I'm looking for Ben to be extended. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, honestly, it, it's one of those things. It, it, a running back just doesn't carry the same value. And uh, Najee Harris, he's 23 years old. He's not... He's not considerably young by any draft standard. So that'd be kind of go outside of the way of the Steelers loving to go after their underclassmen with their top picks. So uh, it'll be something to watch as this kind of offseason develops. But continuing along, I know we still got a lot to get to on offense, but we'll mesh the tight ends in together here. Vance McDonald and Eric Ebron. I, I think Vance is probably as good as gone because he's got that team option. Do, do you see a world where either of the tight ends are coming back next year? I think Ebron's back. Ebron really played well this season. Uh, this was one of his best. I mean, not statistically, but you watch his film, you look at the snaps he played. This was one of the best years of his career, uh, other than stats. And he was a real weapon in this offense until the offense died. The offense really just, I mean, it really did. It just died. Uh, if they get a run game going, Ebron is such a weapon because he can block. And he's one of those guys that that in that kind of a running game offense and where you have a lot of motion and stuff, one of the keys is, is your is your tight end someone who can block people. And like like if you can cover Eric Ebron, he can block you. If you can't cover Eric, if you can cover Eric Ebron, he can block you. If you if you can handle Eric Ebron in a run play, you can't cover Eric Ebron. So Eric Ebron is a matchup weapon and he matters a lot if you're trying to fix the scheme. So I think Ebron's back. I think McDonald's gone. Uh and I think you see a backup tight end maybe, or you see someone brought in. Yeah. Now let's, uh, I, I think that's going to do it for the tight end. Sorry guys, but we really need to talk <laughs> about the offensive line here, yeah. which is going to be the, like the most important de- off season decisions there, there are outside of Ben Roethlisberger. It's going to be p- potentially a giant overhaul here. And I think we should start off at left tackle. Like there, there's been tons of rumors throughout this entire year, dating back to when we interviewed Zach Banner here on the show that, he, he suggested this potentially could be Alejandro Villanueva's last year. Uh, it, do you think you think Big Al's back? He's a free agent. Is there any reason for the Steelers to, to bring him back if he wants to come back? Well, when you have David DeCastro, Zach Banner, you have so many people on this team. So there's so many people in that organization who have stated this could be his last season. That's kind of telling you he's let them know that this is his last season. And they're just, they don't want to be on the record saying Bill Alejandro Villanueva is done before he says it. He's done. He's gone. This is it. So then continuing on with another guy with retirement rumors, that of course being Marquise Pouncey. Uh, it's been talked about a, a little bit after the game. Uh, some sources uh, said he he did retire, but that turned out to be false. Um, he, he still potentially could be uh, retiring. Uh, th- that also could affect Ben Rogers. So Marquise Steal find themselves in the center, or, or is he is he gone no matter what. Uh, I think Marquise Pouncey stays. I would like him to stay. I am a Marquise Pouncey fan. He still got it when he's healthy. He really has it when he's not healthy. Like 
Excuse me. If you have to choose between David DeCastro playing hurt and Marquise Pouncey playing hurt, I'm taking Pouncey. Like, honestly, Pouncey plays through crap. I know he's had a lot of injuries. I think he's going to come back another year. Uh, and I, I'm good with that. I, I would love to see him play on a line where he's got a healthy DeCastro on one side and Kevin Dotson on the other side. He looked good when that was the case. Even though he was playing through some injuries, he looked good. I'm a Marquis. I, I want Marquis Pouncey back. Yeah, I totally understand that. Um, continuing along on that offensive line, and I want to put my uh, two cents in here as well because going back to that Jerry Dulac story, I know Jeffrey and I we talked about it earlier. Uh, Jerry suggested that the Steelers, uh, in their search of uh, making some sort of salary cap decisions, they might be trading someone. Uh, and in in that sense, uh, the only real person that made sense to me that would be on the trade block. Um, would be David DeCastro. And it, it, he could be a guy that the Steelers could use to, to move up in the draft uh, by pairing him with a pick. Uh, they, they might be trying to add another pick. Uh, I, I know Evan loves when I talk about J.J. Watt, so who knows if that's the one-for-one one swap? But potentially, who knows? It, like, it, It's one of those things where you don't really know with the trade piece. But do, do you think David DeCastro is back, or do you think he's he, – is he released? Is he traded? What, what happens with David DeCastro? See, I think I think he's coming back. I, I I think he is key if you're doing that one more year with Ben, which is the way I just am assuming the Steelers are going to approach this. That's the way I believe they will is one more year, like one more year, maybe two with Ben. Uh, and so I think DeCastro will be back. If he does move on, you almost have to sign Filer. Like you almost have to have because you're not going to go in and be like, well, we just don't have a guard. Somebody's going to have to take that spot. Like so. I think I, I think that Castro is likely to stay. Now, before we get to the other guys, I, I know we talked about a lot of those key pieces on offense so far. The Steelers are going to have to find some money somewhere. Do you think they are going to be more in the market of extending guys to try to bring the cap number down, or do you still think there's going to be some hard uh, decisions made and some guys getting released? Well, they're going to punt money back, especially if Ben returns. If Ben doesn't return, then maybe you play this out. You know, you take that 19 million, you make the best you can, you get a higher draft pick and you you get a lot of dead money off the books and start fresh with a you know, a year where the cap is probably going to go up substantially if if things improve and they can actually have fans next year. Um other than that, I I I really I I think they're going to have to make some tough decisions obviously, but I think you will see extensions especially if Ben is back, but they're going to lose some people. Okay. Now, rounding out our offensive line here, I think there's two names in particular we really need to get to. Matt Filer and Zach Banner. Um, of course, Zach Banner tours ACL. Uh, he, he's going to have the max amount of time he can get uh, to rehab from that from that sucker. So he should be uh, 100% come season. What do you think happens between uh, Filer and Zach Banner? They got they have to bring back Zach Banner. You have to. Like, you like no other team knows him like the Steelers does. He had one game. He looked pretty good in run blocking in that game. Um, so, so for me, it just makes sense for him. It makes sense for the Steelers to get a one-year deal. I know he was really trying to be a starter so he could get a big deal after this one expired, but it didn't happen. So you're you're looking at a one-year kind of prove-it deal where we can say, hey, we don't have cap money. No one else has cap money. We'll give you a shot to win a job, you know but you're going to do it on on a, on a lower contract. Uh, I like Banner a lot. I think that could work out really well for the Steelers. 
if they go that direction, you can let Matt Filer walk and say, we've got Chooks, we've got Banner, we draft somebody, and you're good. You that that's three. You know, if the if the rookie's not ready, then it's Chooks. You know, I, I think you'd see Rat Banner at right tackle, Chooks of Core for at left tackle, and a rookie working his way in to taking over that left tackle spot. That would be kind of my ideal situation on the offensive line. You save a bunch of money and you get good, you you have the chance of having a really good offensive line. Awesome. Now, that seemed like some pretty good timing there. We're right at the 30-minute mark. So if you're listening on the podcast side, click over to part two. If you're on Facebook or on YouTube, make sure just to to sit tight. Uh, We'll flip over to the second part of our podcast here in just a moment. So just hang tight, and uh, we will be back for part two shortly. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.